Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris and I'm so glad you've joined me today as we talk about all kinds of businesses and think about um, what what is the right financial structure for your business. What I want to get into today is is um, as I've stepped away from from like one thing a little bit more and gotten my eyes on a lot of different businesses and had a lot of conversations in the last bunch of weeks, I've noticed um, just how different many businesses, many even e-commerce businesses, all in that same broad category, just how different they are. And so I wanted to take today and apply our four-quarter accounting idea across a range of different kinds of businesses and show how that even even a, a, a good heuristic like that um, shifts around relative to what your business is. So I want to make some observations about some categories of businesses. Um, one of them should should be your business in some way. Uh, and hopefully it'll be some help to you to think about um, different structures of businesses and maybe what a sort of idealized uh, P&L might look like for them in broad terms to give you some directional um, areas to go focus on. Hopefully it'll be some help to you. So let me tell you where this this episode is coming from. I had a conversation the other day with a couple different people, um, including Taylor Holiday and Aaron Orndorff, and we were just observing, uh, you know, in the data set that we have access to of a lot of different businesses, uh, we were just observing that that you know we we publish with this data newsletter that goes out every week. If you don't know about this, go sign up for it. the The link is in the show notes. Um, it's it's really cool. So uh, it's, what we do is we take about information from about two hundred stores. Okay. Um, all of this data, all this data from about 200 stores, we, we, as far as we know, it's the largest publicly available data set, um, about e-commerce stores in existence. So it's 200 stores. And every week we update the data in all of these different metrics, you know, Facebook metrics, MER, uh, revenue. We, you've, you've got like Facebook CPMs across 200 stores, um, updated with year over year analysis. So you can see it and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, Facebook spend average ROAS across all these stores. So you can benchmark your store's performance against all these stores. And we, we publish that um, every week. Uh, the CTC team publishes that every week um, and it's free. You, there's just a newsletter sign up for and it just we just kick it over to you every week with an update. And so you can see, you know, of course, this is all changing all throughout the year, right? The, the um, February year over year numbers are different than January. And of course, you know, you get to Black Friday, it's going to be really different then. And and so on. So reflecting the seasonality at different parts of the year. So we take all that data and we send it out. Well, um, <laughs> it's it's been a really fun exercise. And in fact, in some of my work for CTC recently, I've gotten to dig into a little bit more of that that uh, project and kind of get my head around it. And here, here's what has jumped out to me. That um, averages like that are really helpful places to start and ultimately end up um, as just exactly that places to start and that's it. Um, and so I love looking at this data set every week. It's really fun. There's, there's all kinds of interesting stuff in it. But, um, but as we were talking about it, we were talking about how different some of the stores in that data set are. Like I said, there's 200 stores. So that represents a range of store sizes, a range of store ages, right? Some of these are like legacy stores that have been around for a long time. Uh, you know, even some of them had presence in malls before, before e-commerce was a thing. <laughs> um, and then ranging from like, really young new stores. That's uh, CPG and apparel and every other possible category you could imagine. And they're all in there and we mix them all together. And what we were talking about was we, we have this principle that we talk about called four quarter accounting. Um, and uh, if you want an explanation for that, that's in the show notes as well. But um, we, as we 
Um, as we talk about this idea of four-quarter accounting, the, the idea that we're talking about is that your P&L on average should have these four basic pieces to it, okay? And sort of the ideal P&L would have 20%. Uh, you take your 100% of your revenue, okay? You divide it into four quarters. You take 25% of your revenue and it goes into advertising, okay? Uh, advertising and marketing. 25% of it goes into COGS and 25% of it goes into OPEX. And in the ideal world, 25% goes to profit, okay? Now, so few of us are running stores with 25% profit, which tells you something about this idea of four-quarter accounting right away, which is it is an ideal to aim at, not something that we're saying uh, that you are definitely going to see somewhere. It's it's just not the case, right? Um, and that also means that, in fact, plenty of stores are not going to fit this neatly. Um, I Let me just give you an example. I was consulting with a store and talking with a store where... Um, or I was talking, I was talking, uh, not, not doing any consulting, but I was talking with an owner, um, who was telling me, Oh, I've listened to your podcast. You're going to hate me when I tell you what my gross margin is. And he said, my gross, you know, my landed margin is like 33%. And I told him, I don't hate you for that at all. And I don't even think you necessarily should be able to change that. You know why? Because this person was selling meat (laughs) and like food is famously low margin. You just are not going to be able to apply this four quarter accounting principle to, uh, to meat, uh, meat production, you know, farm agriculture to that space, you're not going to be able to apply that neatly to that category. And that's an extreme example to where your, your margin gets eaten up so much, um, just by, just by pure, uh, cost of revenue essentially, um, in, in your cogs, right? So, so that alone, uh, is, is a, an extreme outlier, but, Many, many other stores are going to have a very hard time finding anything like this as well um, in all kinds of categories, right? So your CPG people are like, four-quarter accounting, psh, no problem. We're way under 25 points landed, uh, you know, of, of landed margin, and our cost of revenue is great, and our COGS are, and so on, right? So there's this, there's this range. So what I wanted to do um, is just talk about that for a minute and talk about um, what some different stores might look like broadly so you could think about um, how you can sort of shape this principle, this idea towards yours. Because if you think about that problem for my friend who is, who's, um, in the, who's producing meat, um, if that is where he's at margin-wise, well, what does that mean? It means that he must then figure out how to drastic, if he's going to create profit at the end of the day, he's got to drastically, re- over time, maybe he can get that margin up, but also he's got to drastically reduce some of these other inputs. Uh, in order to make it work. So for example, he cannot spend 25% of his money on advertising or he has basically no money left over for OPEX, okay? And so now that means he needs to get his advertising number down uh, or figure out some way to do that in time, okay? Um, or um, or perhaps it's his OPEX number that gets really, really low. Now, he's if you're working with farmers, that, that's maybe not the case as well, um, but it, you know, and that's maybe why that's a hard business. But um, but you get the idea, right? You have to find one of these. And so, and the thing is, almost everybody has to do that. If those are your four quarters, right? Or let's just take the three nonprofit ones, okay? Um, it's, adver- again, uh, COGS, advertising, and OPEX, right? If those are the three that you have to work with, if one of them is going to be high by nature of the category that you are in, then the other, then you have to play with the other two. So I want to give you some examples of some different um, sort of big picture strategies and thinking and some categorizations here to get your mind going on this. And I have categorized six kinds of stores in part by vertical, or seven kinds of stores, in part by vertical and in part by stage of business. So this could range broadly, all right? So um, so let's walk through them, okay? So first, 
if you are running an apparel business, um, you are most likely running at a relatively low margin. Like most apparel businesses, especially when you factor in a very high return rate, people are going to try on clothes they don't fit and they send them back. Um, it's really hard in apparel to really be running anywhere close to um, to having 75 points of landed margin like we're talking about there. So immediately you're talking about low margin and you're talking about a cash intensive business because typically it also means you have to outlay a bunch of cash for different sizes and different colors of SKUs across a broad range of products, all right? Um, so how do you make that business work? Okay, um, the answer is the, the best apparel businesses that I have seen, and again, looking at some data, have exceptionally high LTV. Um, and they and they have that high LTV over a very long period of time. So they may actually get that in a short period of time as well, but they especially have it over a long period of time. What I mean is people will come back and buy the same clothes from your store for years. Uh, and I give you countless examples of this in my own life. Um, I am addicted to Stance socks. I It's like one of the things that I will pay too much money for in life. I just don't care because I just love them. And every time I buy socks, I buy them for years. I've been buying them. And, I'm, and I don't see myself turning back at any point. So my LTV ex um, extends out for a long time on that product. Whether or not you have a fast 60-day turnaround is a different question. Um, so if you're running um, that business, then generating real love for your, for your product and your brand and getting a very high LTV will allow you to win. And what that will amount to in your metrics in the long run is a reduced um, cost of advertising potentially. Uh, potentially, because as the LTV builds up over time, um, uh, the, um, the LTV builds up, which means that you keep generating returning customer revenue. You keep generating returning customer revenue. And as you do, um, that returning customer, the, re the total revenue pool will get bigger, even if your advertising doesn't keep growing, um, you know, sort of taps out the efficiency of your advertising. And so over time, that's the way you end up successful there. Okay. Uh, if you're running an apparel business and you're not seeing high LTV, you need to ask yourself serious questions about whether people like the product enough. Um, because otherwise they should be coming back, okay? Again, this is in all kinds of different apparel categories too. Secondly, um, uh, CPG, okay? CPG is another one where it does not fit uh, neatly into that four quarter um, idea because you should be running your CPG business on very, very high margins. And often you're running it also on very high marketing costs. Um, in the early stages in particular, it's really, really hard to make uh, CPG in nearly every category is extremely competitive and people are loyal to a product in the category already. You know, with apparel, everybody could always use another shirt, right? Um, but if you're selling deodorant, like you are, you are every customer that you acquire is a customer who's, who's already using a different brand of deodorant, just about, okay? Um, you know, there'll be lots and lots of those customers, okay? That's true in skincare, it's true in cosmetics, it's true all over the place. So, what does that mean for you? What it means for you is that you often are going to have to pay a lot of money to acquire that customer. And therefore, once again, LTV becomes this really, really huge factor because you have this massive built-in advantage. Um, often it's low cash intensiveness, right? Uh, and it's uh, because the product is cheap uh, to produce. It's um, very high margin, but you have to pay all this marketing dollars. And the way that you create organic revenue is by... Um, is by generating long-term returns. And so um, by getting customers who come to you and then you become the source of their loyalty, 
uh, they finally had enough of their old spice or whatever, right? Um, and they, they come over to you and now, now you're their product of choice and then stick with it for a long time. This is where subscription, for example, becomes a huge benefit in a business like, like this. Uh, and C- CPG brands that can rack up a big subscription number can do really, really well. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that's how you have to maximize that business. If you are, again, if you are not getting LTV there, you're going to be in real, real trouble um, in most cases because it's just going to be too hard to make it work. OPEX is kind of a, on both of those categories is, is I think kind of mixed. I think you should be able to get to that 25% or lower kind of number. Um, so yeah. Uh, number three, um, I'll call this the, the techie business. Okay. Uh, and, uh, this is, this would be like a consumer goods business that has, um, a lot of proprietary technology to it, uh, with, or a product that's really, um, that's that's just uh, got a lot of R and D connected to making the product work. Okay, um, this is uh, not necessarily a huge category all the time in e-commerce, um, but this kind of business I have seen be pretty reasonably good margins actually, and often can do pretty well on advertising um, because you can sell high quality techie products for a lot of money depending on the category. Um, but the place where you get beat up is R&D. And so what that tends to look like is OPEX. It's people and technology um, infrastructure and those kinds of things. And so for this kind of business, again, um, so much of it is going to be about, um, uh, is going to be about first and foremost, um, creating product that people love as you do this. And here I've seen OPEX um, equal like 40% of total revenue, 35, 40% of total revenue because you need smart, expensive people to make this kind of thing work. Uh, and, and so how do you make this business work? In my experience here, the way you make this business work is actually by um, winning on advertising a little bit more than, than some companies because, uh, because you should theoretically have a product that's really cool and that wows people. And so you have the ability to acquire customers at profit um, a little bit more than you do in other, in other businesses. And, uh, and maybe you even get some word of mouth on that and some organic and some interesting ways, uh, because now you've sort of got this brand equity built up around proprietary technology and proprietary products that are really, really cool, really different and really meaningfully affecting the way people are living in this different way. Um, so in that case, it's all about this ability to generate, um, to generate high returns on your advertising, uh, at least at an e-com level. All right. Um, fourth, let's talk about, I'm going to call this sort of, um, customer acquisition brands. And this is, this is not a particular category so much as anybody who's got sort of a gift product or anything like it. The classic example that I can think of is FC goods. Um, and, uh, uh, where you are basically going to live on no LTV in these categories. Um, you know, I mean, over time, of course, fine if you can make it work. Um, but, but what I'm thinking of here, especially are brands where there's one core product that you really hit on, um, whether it's a giftable product or not, there's no reason to repurchase it. Uh, like, you know, FC goods of the wallet, like I said, um, and, and in this world, it's incumbent on you. Oh, you've got, uh, so, so you end up spending a very high amount of ad dollars, relatively speaking, the LTV never comes, and that means that it's really hard to make the ad dollars look small as a percentage of total revenue, um, and and you're going to grow by just acquiring customers for forever, um, and um, and so the way you have to make this business work is often with high margin. If you can make high margin work, that that makes a big difference. This that can be really difficult though. Um, 
Um, but even more, these are the businesses that I see who do this amazing job at generating a really low OPEX. You'll see people cite really big um, sort of dollars per employee number here because they know that to make the business work, they've got to reduce that OPEX. And all of their effort is built around creating these sort of like creative machines. Um, another brand I'm thinking about here is Ridge Wallet. Um, and I'm going to use their name here, not because I've looked at their data and seen this or anything. Um, I don't really know about the data per se. Um, I'm just saying it because I've seen them tweet about this. They've talked about having um, $2 million as their revenue as their revenue per employee target, which is just really, really high if you're getting $2 million of revenue per employee. And, um, and I've... Uh, and I don't really know what their LTV is like exactly. It may or may not be good, but they've talked about the same idea that the way they've won is that because they know they have to win on advertising, they go and they create this creative machine where they're just pumping out new creative all the time and constantly figuring out how to, as cheaply and quickly as possible, generate tons and tons of ad creative for their business. Uh, and that ends up being the way that they're able to make a really, really great business happen there. Okay. Uh, so, um, so that's the customer acquisition model. Now, I want to pause there. Part of what I hope you hear is that there are constraints in each of these different models, but at the same time, um, at the same time, you can learn something from each of these. You can learn something from each of these. Hopefully, you know, there's no reason you can't create a creative machine in your business as well. There's no reason if you're in a customer acquisition business, maybe you're not thinking well enough about LTV and you should be doing more of it. Um, you know, maybe you actually should be putting more money into your OPEX to create more proprietary technology around a product that's going to be a little bit techier, et cetera. Or maybe there's a place for a subscription business that like a CPG brand would have that you can't see coming. So um, so that's part of why I want you to hear this, even if this is a business that's not in your category. You can learn from businesses in other categories and apply it to yours. Or you can just try and hammer away at what I'm saying for yours in terms of the ones that I've seen work. Um, beyond that, the a fifth category might just be your other consumer brands. And this is where you just kind of get that middle of the road brand where you're really trying to hit those four quarters along the way, um, as much as possible. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're starting off with 30, you know, you're, you're at a three to one MER, uh, you know, so that's, you know, essentially 33% ad dollars. And maybe you're, you're at a 30%, uh, OPEX, but as you grow, you think you can shrink that number and maybe you're at a 30%. Um, landed, mar uh, uh, landed cogs. And therefore, um, you know, you've got some profit now and you just chip away around the edges on each of those. If you're in that business in particular, and I've seen a lot of consumer businesses like this or, or retail products, um, you know, businesses like this, um, this is again, where you could sort of pick up little bits from each of these other businesses, uh, business type types. The last two things I want to point out are actually not, um, uh, sort of verticals in the traditional sense, but are just sort of, um, phases, okay? Phases of business. One of them is the later stage business. And um, this is another thing I've noticed in some of the data, which is that large businesses very often um, end up having a much larger percentage profit in general um, because they've gotten to a point where they are big enough to do it. Uh, and like, for example, they just have enough name recognition that their ads work awesome and people come to their store and buy stuff even when they're not advertising which is to say they have, they live on a high ROAS, which is to say they live on, uh, or, uh, and also uh, not only a high ROAS, but, um, but uh, a high organic, uh, high volume of organic traffic. And what does that mean? It means that they're, they, they're living at like very, very low uh, advertising and marketing as a percentage of their total revenue. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're sub 10% even or something like that. And that means that they have this giant chunk of their business that they can open up 
or profitability. It's just incredibly hard to do that early on. And the reason I bring it up, and OPEX might be the same situation, COGS, who knows, that COGS really varies. I mean, you look at the S1s that have been filed by some of the, um, by, by the e-com brands that have gone public, and, and very few of them are living at anywhere near 75 points of landed margin. So, um, so that might just be impossible in a lot of categories. But, uh, but theoretically, some of these later stage businesses, though, can, can create some economy of scale to where they chip away at that number, even if they can never get it down where they want it to. Okay? Um, in any case, the point just being that um, this is sometimes an argument for capitalizing your business. Uh, if you think about what I was saying about apparel and CPG, what you might need is just runway to create the LTV. And if that's the case, if you need uh, runway to create the LTV, uh, then maybe, maybe especially if you can validate the LTV early, you might have a great case to go and raise money um, and, and just say, like, we can get down there. Because as you exist at a longer period of time, as you're able to spend a lot more dollars on advertising early on, acquire a lot of customers, and they're worth a lot to you in the long term, you may be able to make the case that that's really worth a lot to you. And that could be the case sort of in any of those categories that I described. So the later stage businesses, I've seen this sometimes where they just like, they like break our MER averages because they're just, they're just living at this different level. And that only also um, expands as an issue even more because they sometimes also have really mature multi-channel um, revenue where they're running, uh, they're running this, um, they're, they're running huge Amazon businesses and huge retail businesses and maybe have their own stores eventually, you know, um, all those kinds of things, stuff that you can't think about really right now, but over enough time, you know, that they've existed for long enough and they're big enough that that becomes part of their business. If that's where you're aiming, uh, my, my input here is just capitalize accordingly. Just think about where you're trying to go and capitalize accordingly because that could make a big difference. And finally, at the other extreme end is actually what I would call the sort of slow growth um, the slow growth, smaller business. Uh, and sometimes not always that small, um, uh, depending on kind of where you've been. But often, if you're not trying to grow as fast, that uh, advertising as a percentage of your revenue number can also be quite a bit lower. Um, if you are, if you are, if your goal for your business is not to get very big, very fast, you may actually be able to kind of keep a healthy profit number on a, so to speak, on a business that you're not putting too much time into. Um, early on and try as best as you can to generate organic growth and word of mouth and all those kinds of things. And that can be another way that your, um, that your business does really, really well. Um, so again, where that, in that case, the advertising is low. This, you know, I even think of some of the businesses that we acquired at 4 by 400 where they're, they're really small um, and, and they could have grown more over time, you know, given enough, given a, a, another 10 year window or something, you know, they might've been able to really keep growing. Um, they just were never gonna get there that fast. Uh, and, and depending on what the entrepreneur had um, eyes for um, and, and had appetite for that, that could really be worth doing. Um, so again, you can, you, you don't have to advertise your business, you know, if that's not what you're trying to do, if you want to see if you can get it to a hundred, 200, something like that in revenue, then that can work really effectively, um, you know, one little bit of organic content at a time. So that's, that's the classifications I was thinking about. Again, hopefully, as I was thinking about those issues, I was just thinking about them all as, uh, as I was thinking about those categories, I was thinking about them all as um, just ways to start thinking about how you might think about your business in that, where realistically it's possible for you to create profit in your business and where realistically it's not. Um, and then to sort of shi uh, shift and shape that four-quarter accounting idea according to um, how that looks in your particular business. So hopefully that's some help to you. 
All right, so kind of kind of big picture, a lot of back and forth there, um, but uh, I hope that helps. I part of the, I mean part of the thing for me with this episode was just that we've I've gotten some feedback about this idea of four quarter accounting and, and wanted to go through it a little bit more because like everything you know uh, one size fits all stuff like 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 this is a heuristic and it's just a way to begin thinking that you can then press into into your business. So that's what I was trying to do here. I hope that's some help to you to sort of think that way and then for you to go and think about for your business what's possible and what's not. Uh, so if you enjoyed this, as always, I really appreciate it if you rate, review, share, all those things. It really does help when you do those things. So thank you so much. And don't forget to go sign up for that e-commerce um, weekly data newsletter. It is full of good information. It is free. It comes to your inbox every single week. Um, I'm really excited about it. I actually have had the opportunity to work with the CTC team and some of my sort of freelance work uh, with them. Uh, to sort of start thinking about digesting, analyzing that. So you can look for um, some more thoughts on that as it comes. I think it's it's just an unparalleled data set in terms of how cool it is. So go to the show notes right now, sign up for that uh, newsletter, get it in your inbox and, uh, and get it delivered to you. Otherwise, I hope uh, everything is going great with you, with your story, your business, your life, and uh, would love any feedback that you have. Um, as always, um, best place to do that is on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris. And uh, until next time, we'll see you next week.